What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good morning. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast show. And today I have the pleasure of talking to someone who I think is going to really inspire all of you. Her name is Amberly Lago, and she is an expert mindset coach, best-selling author, speaker, and I should add in podcaster because now you've been doing podcasts for six months. Welcome, Amberly. Thank you so much, Aaron. I was really excited to get to talk to you today. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on. It's always nice when uh, I've got to the place now where I'm starting to get a lot of inbound traction for guests. And our friend Barbara Palmer, as we were talking about in our little setup, is kind enough to introduce us. She's a great connector, I think, as you and I talked about. So uh, it's nice to be able to have someone that she's recommended on the show. Oh, I call her the queen connector. I love Barbara. I'm so grateful she introduced us. Yes. Well, and I think she's given me three or four recommendations, and they've all been wonderful. So um, I know based on the research I've done in our little conversation that this will be equally wonderful. So I guess what's probably most relevant here is um, what was maybe one of the hardest things in your life was one of the most defining things and really has sort of put you down the path that you're headed today. I think I'm a believer that everything happens for a reason. So I'll let you tell the story, but I believe it begins with 10 years ago, May of 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, You were riding in Southern California on Ventura Boulevard and you were hit while on your motorcycle by an SUV that threw you 30 feet and essentially destroyed one of your legs. I will let you pick it up and tell a little bit of what happened after that and then we'll maybe pick up again once you're in the hospital and sort of what your mindset was. Yeah, you know, my whole life I've been a dancer, an athlete. I ran most places instead of driving my car anywhere. I'd be like, I'll just run and meet you there. And this day I happened to be on my way home. I had finished training clients. I had ran my uh, best time that day. I'd ran 11 miles of my best time. So it's amazing how in the blink of an eye, everything can change. And I remember as I was laying in the street, one of my very first thoughts as I, I looked down at my leg, my foot's off hanging on only by the skin, there's blood everywhere. And I remember thinking, oh, this can't be good. I may have to train clients on crutches for a while. That was one of my first thoughts was, well, I'll be able to train those clients on crutches. I had no idea just how drastically this would change my life in so many ways. And, you know, I was rushed to the hospital and put in induced coma. My body was just shutting down. They couldn't control my pain. And when I woke up, doctors told me that they were going to have to amputate my leg. I had a 1% chance of saving it. And despite, uh, you know, dozens of recommendations to amputate it, um, I fought hard to keep it. I had 34 surgeries. I found an amazing doctor that just I'd have a surgery one day and a day of recovery and a surgery and a day of recovery and piece by piece, they were able to put my leg together. And I really thought the worst was over. I thought, you know, I'd had injuries before. I thought just by, you know, some grit, 
I was going to be able to get through this until I was diagnosed with a nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome, um, which leaves me with constant chronic pain. Um, this disease is dubbed the suicide disease because there's no known cure. And it's for a lack of a better term, it's when you're sympathetic. Um, it's your, your, it's like a computer that needs to be rebooted. It's your sympathetic nervous system is all out of whack and you're just in a constant loop of pain. And so it was at that point that it really, I kind of, I spiraled down into a depression. I started feeling hopeless and I had lost my career, my confidence. So more than dealing with, you know, the scars and the way that my leg was now deformed was how am I going to get through every single day of living with this constant chronic pain? And that is where truly my healing and just my whole mental um, having to kind of reinvent myself and change the way I thought about things began is when I was diagnosed with CRPS. Yeah, you, I was doing a little bit of research and I was reading in the um, health.com site an article that sort of describes your whole story. And one of the things that was so amazing to me is, you know, you've been hospitalized for three and a half months and you mentioned that between surgeries 28 and 34, I mean, even the fact you have to say like double digit numbers is crazy, right? How many people ever does that ever happen to? As you mentioned, you'd spiraled into a deep depression and then you had this epiphany, right? And I'm sure it was a very powerful moment. And I loved the quote, and I'm going to read it directly because it was so inspiring. You said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And you decided at that point, you had, you had made the decision there were two paths you could go down, and you chose light versus dark. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about where did that come from, do you think? And how was it? Because I think so many people have a difficult time, especially this isn't mental illness, but obviously things like this do happen when someone has a mental illness, right? It's like this constant sort of sound in their head or this voice or the pain or whatever it is. And you were able to sort of pull yourself out of that free fall and you were able to send yourself down this other path. Talk a little bit about, you know, where did that come from? And I know you had sort of a, a remarkable childhood as well, I think growing up and some good and some bad and some trauma. So I don't know if that was related to it as well. I, I feel like that may have played a role. Well, yeah, you know what I had, look, we all, nobody really has a perfect childhood or not. I don't know anybody anyway. I had always been able to kind of pull up my bootstraps and keep moving forward. I always had an outlet of, running or dancing and that was always my go-to but now suddenly I didn't really have any tools to deal with all this pain that I was experiencing and not just you know the physical pain but it was the pain that it was causing me emotionally too um, and it was the first time in my life that I thought oh my goodness how did this happen I can't snap out of this and it just seemed like my world was getting smaller and smaller and smaller and when I was first diagnosed you know I remember um, going home and and looking up you know I googled CRPS which I don't recommend people doing because it was very depressing and yeah. that just when I did that I, I was in denial I thought this cannot be what I have. I don't want to admit that for the rest of my life, this is what it's going to get worse. 
And so I tried to deny my problems. And let me tell you, that worked for a while, you know, trying to stuff down your problems. Um, I was trying to drink my problems away when I was never a drinker. And that all worked until it didn't. And I remember thinking one day, oh my goodness, I was at the point where I did not want to live anymore, but I was too scared to die. And my, I think that glimmer of hope, and you know what, that's all we need sometimes is just that little glimmer of hope to pull us out of that moment. And I think that my children um, really helped me at that point because I remember thinking, to myself, wow, you know, they, they could, they deserve a better mom. They could, they could find another mom. My husband, this isn't, I'm not the wife that he married. He didn't marry this person. He could find another wife. Those thoughts were going through my head. And I thought, no, I want to set an example for my children of, of a woman who is a survivor, uh, a woman who is resilient. And, and I, that's all I needed at that moment that and the grace of God. And at that moment, I thought, I've got, I've got a choice. I can either keep going down this road of despair, or I can really count my blessings and put my mind and my focus on the things that are really most important in my life. And, and then I also, it wasn't just that, because it's really hard to think about things you're grateful for when your world is falling apart. But I promise you, there is always something to be grateful for. Um, you know, when I was sitting in the hospital, staring down at my leg, wondering if today's the day they're going to amputate it. I remember thinking, I can stare here and just focus on my leg, or I can focus on the fact that I have these amazing doctors and nurses that are looking out for me. I've got clients and friends that are coming to see me in the hospital. I have a, a, a view from the window. Um, I have both my legs. And so I noticed the more I focused on these things that were good in my life, the better my life got. And another thing that really helped me was community. You know, when you're in pain, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, and we all have pain, whether, you know, we're dealing with circumstances right now during COVID, whether that's you've lost your job or maybe you're, you're struggling in your relationships because you're stuck under the same roof or whatever that may be, um, we all experience some sort of pain in our life at one point. And... I think that, you know, if we can reach out to somebody and share what we're going through and also be of service, it really takes our focus on off of our troubles. Not that we shouldn't acknowledge our troubles, but I tell you, when I was sitting in the hospital and I could reach out to clients and offer my help, and even though I was stuck, people go, how could you be of service when you were stuck in the hospital bed? I was making phone calls to clients offering, you know, saying, giving them nutritional advice, giving them workout plans, reaching out to friends. And I remember I had this one, one client, she called me and she was so upset. She said she was in tears. She said, I just found out I'm pregnant. I just didn't want to have another baby. How am I going to take care of another child? And I was even offering, I said, look, I'm in the hospital right now, but as soon as I can get out, I can babysit for you. This is a blessing. It's going to be okay. And 
we got off the phone. I felt better because I thought that gave me something to look forward to. And she yeah. felt better because she thought I was going to help her. So I think by being of service, you, you start this community of people and you can lean in on each other. And I think there's no way I could be where I am today. There are days I have such a hard time and it's my community of friends, family, um, that we can, we can cheer each other on. We can be there for each other. I think it's so important um, because I didn't always have that. You know, I, I, I would try to hide my feelings. I felt like um, admitting that something was wrong with me made me feel or look weak when in fact it led me to my strengths. And so I think that if we can just be authentic and show up, that is how we meet our, our, our true blue friends. That is how we make those strong, meaningful connections. So I would, I would really suggest if anybody's listening to this today and you're struggling, don't feel like you have to do it alone. I mean, I for so long thought, well, I've, I've got this. I'm from Texas and I was taught, you know, you got to be a cowgirl. You got to hide your crazy and be a lady and you got to get her done. And it's like, you know what? We are stronger together when we can do things together. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it is something where you know, during COVID, I know it's been tough because it's made a lot of the dark places that much darker for people when they haven't been able to be out and mingling. We forget how much it's important to have that human touch, that hugging. It's the thing I, I think I've missed the most is outside of my wife and kids is not being able to hug friends or, you know, to really be with people. And I love, um, you mentioned a little bit, but, you know, during one of your podcasts, and we'll talk a little more about the podcast in a minute with Pamela Robbins, you mentioned this need for vulnerability and connection. And I think it's one of the things I've started to try to do is asking people how they are and really meaning it and really telling them how I am, right? I think it's just little things like that can just make such a big difference because you're right. It, it is easy to think that it's, it makes you weak and really it is what makes you strong because people see that you're willing to sort of share that piece that you wouldn't normally be able to, to share I do want to talk about your book. Um, so, you know, you have all this going on and I've written a book. It was just a dummies book. So, you know, that was probably a lot easier than what you put together. What inspired you to write this book called True Grit and Grace? And let's talk a little bit about, you know, what the book is. I'm sure people get, get a sense from what you've talked about already. But, you know, what made you think I've got to write a book and then tell us more about what the focus of the book is? Oh, well, Aaron, first of all, you wrote a book and that is, and a book for dummies. Oh my gosh. That, I don't know. That sounds hard to me. It was harder than <laughs> I expected. Let's put it that way. It is. You know what? It is one of the biggest, it was one of the hardest challenges I've ever um, had. Well, because I, first of all, I didn't really have a lot of confidence about, about writing a book. And then I didn't have a lot of support with people going, yeah, you should do that. I had a lot of people going, girl, you don't even have a college education. What makes you think you can write a book? But I think that my, my why, the reason I wanted to do it far outweighed my fear or my lack of confidence. And I think that um, if we focus on our why, we can get through almost any how. 
And, you know, I was inspired to write the book because I was in such a dark place for so long. And I noticed when I lost hope is when things got really bad. And once I, I really was able to find that hope again, it was like I, I, I had the motivation. I, I had, you know, the inspiration to do more. And I really began to heal and my life started to transform. And it wasn't just, it, it was a, a mindset. My, my body started getting healthier. I started getting more spiritually connected. And so I thought, if I can do this, well, then I want to share this so that other people can do it too. And I thought, even if I just touch one person and one person doesn't give up because they've read my healing journey, well, then it will be worth all the long hours of writing. And, you know, at the time I didn't even own a computer. So I hand wrote all of my book, well, about 90% of it. Then I went out and bought a computer and typed it all up. And I don't know who was more surprised, me or my husband, when a publisher said they wanted the book. And then when I got a call from the Today Show, NBC called and said Megyn Kelly wanted to interview me. And I couldn't even speak on the phone. I was like, Megyn? Kelly? <laughs> and they were probably thinking, you know what? Never mind. This girl can't even talk. <laughs> but it was just, you know, you never know where your road is going to take you if you just keep focusing on your why, why it is that your heart so desires to do what you want to do. And just every day, working a little bit at a time, one day at a time, one step at a time. And and so if anybody's out there that is wanting to write a book or share your story, I say, go for it. Just write one paragraph, one page, one chapter at a time, because the best part of my whole journey with my book, and like I said, I really was inspired to write it because I wanted to give others the hope that was given to me. Um, it has been the the best part about it has been the connections that I've made along the way. I've been able to meet some just really incredible souls from all over the country. Cause I did a book tour all over and that's all over the country. And that's the beauty of social media, right? Is that we get to connect with people and then meet them in person. And, you know, my husband used to be so annoyed with social media and, and I was like, but no, you know, I, this is how you get your message message out there. And then he really got it when he went along with me on these book tours and he saw me meeting people for the first time in person when we had, you know, met on Instagram or Facebook. So um, that's what I love about social media. Well, speaking of, and I, I guess I don't even know if you call it social media anymore, but podcasts were, you know, one of the things back in 05, 06, and I was telling you, I've been doing this for a while. Uh, that was a good way to sort of meet people. It was a good way to sort of socialize. You've now been doing a podcast for six months, and I always love it when I can have a fellow podcaster on the show because it does give you unique access to people. It does keep you on your toes and does allow you to extend that message and story. So you do have, you know, um, same name, but the True Grit and Grace podcast. 
tell us a little bit about you know the focus of that and how you decided that you were going to move from speaking and book activities to creating your own podcast. Man, a podcast is somebody said, oh, it's a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I, I love talking to people. I want to do it. And I'm like, it does keep you on your toes for sure. I, but I love it. Um, again, it was, I wanted to share as many tips and tools for others to, from some of the world's greatest thought leaders. You know, I've had Trent Shelton on the show. I had May Musk on the show. Um, Heather Monahan on the show. I've had some incredible thought leaders on the show and I really wanted a way to share struggles to success because a lot of times on social media, it looks so easy. You see people's highlight reels or, you know, even a lot of people, sometimes they'll see me and, and they'll think that's easy. And then they see the scars and they think, Oh, her legs deformed. She must have, she's been through something. And so I wanted to share people's struggles to success and the lessons they've learned along the way. And, you know, what are some of the, because uh, I don't think that, that failures are a bad thing. I think I've learned my biggest lessons from my greatest failures. And so I like to share that with other people so that not only can you get hope, but you can really get some tools and a real strategy to move forward with whatever your goals are. That's a great way of putting it. And I love the struggles to success because I think that there are a lot of people that sort of fit that um, mold. And I will tell you, I think when people, I have sometimes internal colleagues or other friends that say, I want to start a podcast. And I say, the thing that's the hardest is the first few are easy because you are inspired. Then it gets hard because you have to dig in and it's the consistency, right? And finding people, doing the homework, uh, you and I, I think, got connected last week on Thursday or Friday and mm -hmm. said I could do today or the other times we're going to be out two or three weeks. And I'm like, you know what? We'll just, I'll bite the bullet. I'll put some thoughts together on Sunday night. I'll send them over. You were a good sport. You rolled with the punches. But, you know, I try to make sure that my guests are always prepared. And then you have to make sure you've got good Wi-Fi and good audio and don't have dogs barking in the background. So it is a real commitment. But I think it's one of those things, like writing a book, that's such a nice journey if you can head down that path and you know it is a great way to share stories and extend your story and um so i look forward to hearing more i guess if people want to listen to it i think you're in the same place as we are but uh stitcher spotify uh apple. itunes apple and then yeah. you mentioned a little trick that you've discovered recently that your daughter inspired you to do. I don't know if you want to share that or not but i thought that was yeah well for you know our our kids can be our biggest teachers, right? My 12 year old has told me for a few years now, mom, YouTube is where it's at. You've got to get on YouTube. And except she also did tell me, mom, you're too old for TikTok. And I was like, oh, well then I am definitely doing TikTok. <laughs> so it drives her crazy because like the first video I uploaded on TikTok, it got 500,000 views. It's wow. crazy. So if you're not on TikTok, you got to get on TikTok. Um, but YouTube, she told me, you know, she doesn't really watch TV. She learns a lot from YouTube. Um, and so she said, mom, you really need to get on YouTube. So I thought, well, 
I'm recording these podcast episodes anyway, so why not just upload right. it on YouTube? And I have a small channel and it's already starting to pick up. I, I can see it's, it's consistency because like you said, it's, it's the first ones you're really inspired. I launched four episodes the first week and then it's like, okay, realistically I can only release one episode a week. And it was scary for me because, you know, like I shared earlier, I didn't even own a computer a few years ago. So this whole technology is something that I've had to learn and it's been really out of my comfort zone. And um, I remember when I was interviewing May Musk, uh, it was the day we went into COVID. And so I think everybody, all the businesses were shut down. Everything was shut down. And I think everybody was on Zoom. During my interview with her, our Zoom session cut out twice. I was mortified. I was like, oh my gosh, how do I get this back? And she was such a good sport. And she hung in there and she connected back on Zoom. But um, I think that it's not about being perfect. I think it's about just starting because I am so far from perfect in, in everything I do. But... I just do my best. And so, and even with the videos, I'm like, well, the videos aren't perfect. And, you know, my background isn't perfect, but it's a real conversation with um, an incredible person. And that's what it's all about. It's about sharing the message and being authentic. And so I took my daughter's advice and I'm doing more on YouTube and, and, if you've got your YouTube channel, I'll have to go follow you and subscribe to your channel over there. Yeah. So I would probably use our corporate channel versus mine right now. A lot of my videos are pictures of my daughter swimming when she was little, a few concert footage pieces. Um, but I'm going to definitely test it out because I do know the power of YouTube and have my team has been telling me whether it's Instagram or YouTube to start at least sharing clips and I mentioned that, you know, we'll start doing some promo using a little bit of the video here, even though most of it's audio. I do want to shift gears to a couple of more fun, more personal questions. You've been so good talking about your journey. Um, the first one is, and I always love to find out how people answer this, but you have one wish, anything you want, what would you pick and why? Mm. Um, I, you know, I would say, oh, I wish we had a vaccine for COVID, but I think that is going to be, you know, coming along here really soon. I really can say selfishly, I guess, that I really wish there was a cure for complex regional pain syndrome. Not just for me, because yes, I, I can get through most days and there are most days people would look at me and not even think they wouldn't even imagine that I'm in pain. Like you probably see me and wouldn't imagine that I'm in pain right now. I have really developed a, a a lot of tools that I use every single day that allow me to get, have resilience to get through each and every day. Cause it is an every day waking up and decide that you're going to get through it. But I wish there was a cure because there are so many people that take their lives every single day that live with CRPS because they don't have the right tools or they don't have the health insurance or the proper medication. So my goal is to spread more awareness so people because if it's caught if it's caught um in time there is a greater chance of it going into remission and 
um, by spreading awareness, you can connect with more people and know that you are not alone in your pain and that there are ways to get through the pain. Even if you can't get over it, maybe you can get through it. And, um, and so I really wish that there was a cure until then I'm going to keep my hopes high. Well, and, and even there you demonstrate how good a person you are because you didn't say, I wish my leg was completely fixed or I wish mine was gone. You said, I want to find a cure for it in general. So even there you're opening your heart up to your community. So I love that answer. Um, the last one, which is definitely more of a fun one is I ask all my guests this, you're stuck on a deserted island. Don't worry about the technology. Uh, you can take one album with you. Which album would you take and why? <laughs> I think that... I would probably, and this is going to really date me, this, my very first album was by the Bee Gees. And I had the album where it flipped open and their three faces were on the cover. And one of my favorite movies is Staying Alive. So I think I would probably be sick of it by the time I got off that island. <laughs> But I used to love the Bee Gees and that was, it brings back happy memories of when I was a little girl. So um, when I got my first record player and my very first album, so probably That's the Bee Gees. perfect answer. And I, I still dig out some of those. Uh, I listen to everything. I still dig out some of those gems from Saturday Night Live and they still have such a unique sound, right? And I think you said you're a dancer and if you're going to do something on a deserted island, then dancing is not the worst thing in the world. That's right. Got to dance. Got to dance. Well, anyway, <laughs> this has been a lovely conversation. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What to Know podcast show. And I've just spent the last half hour with Amberly Lago, who is an expert mindset coach, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, and lovely all-around person. So thank you so much, Amberly, for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. My pleasure. Want more episodes of the What to Know podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Check them out on iTunes, the podcast app, and the podcast page at w2ogroup.com backslash what to know.